It's also exciting to see all of the hard work that other agencies do. It's easy to get jaded mm -hmm. about yep. government money or whatever. And right. there are really good people who really care about people in our community. And that's always encouraging to see, too. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry? or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church. And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Lori Walters, who was instrumental in setting up the care team ministry at our North End Community Center. You know, most of us are in ministry and are familiar with people who contact our church or contact our other place of ministry with some kind of financial need. I'd be very surprised if there was someone listening to this who is involved in church ministry or Christian ministry who doesn't face that on a fairly regular basis. And oftentimes there's no prior relationship there may not be much in the way of knowing the story, any kind of comprehensive data. It's just immediate. Maybe a family member died and someone says, I need gas money to get to the funeral. Somebody reports that their power is about to be turned off. It's the middle of winter or their car needs to be repaired because otherwise they can't get to school or to work. For all of us who are followers of Christ, we have compassion for people like that, and we want to help. We do. But the question that I and many others have faced in ministry is, what is the best way to help? Because on the one hand, we don't have unlimited funds, but even if we did, we wonder if just doling out money is really best for the person that we're trying to love and we're trying to serve. And so that's why I'm very thankful for the work that Lori Walters has done. Lori has studied this topic in the Word of God. She's read best practice resources, but she's also been in the trenches. And Lori, I'm very thankful for you. I'm very thankful for the team of co-laborers that you have built. And Lori has helped us develop a care team ministry here at Faith. And I'm very thankful for the work that has been done and so, Lori, that's really why I've asked you just to come on the podcast and just share the lessons that you have learned and just educate me and the rest of us on how do we best serve people with financial needs. And so can you just give us a little bit of background on who you are and some of the others that have played a pivotal role in this? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I'm Lori, and we've been a part of Faith, my husband and I, for, I can't do the math, 36, seven years <laughs> We've been blessed to be part of this ministry and just understanding the concept of living out your faith in our community. And so that's kind of my backstory. God has really grown a heart for me for people in disadvantaged and the vulnerable, I think. So this has just been part of an extension of what he's been doing in my life. Was there the something, you know, you're an engineer by trade or by training. Mm -hmm. You homeschooled your children. How did that concern develop for people who are struggling? It's God. I mean, it makes no logical human sense. I don't know, but he really grew that in me. And mm. I think it was from teaching, just from reading, but obviously it had to be him because 
that is just not my natural bent either. I'm not all warm and fuzzy. And so it just seems really inconsistent. But he's just really developed that in me. And it's just, you know, looking at our life, we were foster parents. I worked in our food pantry. Just all of those things that he placed in my life to help me grow and open my eyes and get out of my comfort zone to see there's, you know, other people out there that we need to be looking at and considering. That's interesting because you, you do have an engineering background, and I've worked with you in other areas of ministry that required heavy levels of administration and organization, and you and your husband, Jeff, excel in those ways. So it is an interesting package when there's such a compassionate heart for people who are struggling and also the organizational side of all of that. So God makes us differently, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah. It's part of the body. It's pretty amazing how he pieces it together. It is, it is. So can you just explain to us what what are care teams? How does it work? Well, so we got the idea from Willow Creek, actually. We had visited them. So they have kind of a similar program. Of course, we tweaked it to our own special needs. But when we were getting ready to build the North End Community Center, I was fortunate to be part of the team that was bringing that online. And we were talking about, like, what services and what things are going to impact the North End when it opened. Because we were going to be front and center of a major part of our community's population, we knew that there was just going to be a lot of traffic of people coming in and asking for help. Up until that time, I had served in the food pantry, and we were out at our East Campus, which is off of the bus line. And so we really weren't seeing just walk-by traffic. People had to have appointments, and they had to have transportation to get there. Mm -hmm. And so we knew the dynamics of how this community center at the North End would be very different from the Faith East one. And we also realized, because we were very familiar with how agencies and organizations worked in the community, they actually would teach people to do what's called dialing for dollars. Mm -hmm. They would just call churches and ask for help. And our poor secretaries at that time were getting at least 100 calls a week of people dialing for dollars and you know they were frustrated because they didn't have the time and they didn't have the expertise or the resources and they would just refer them to another hotline and then if it was a significant problem the poor pastor who was on mercy ministry would get the phone call and then he has to try to sort through all of that as well as try to figure out what's best in that situation Mm -hmm. and so we just really felt like there needed to be a liaison from people in the community that were asking for benevolence help so that we could sit down and just actually really understand the problem and try to sort through it and make best recommendations about what we could help that person with or moving forward to take the pressure off of the pastoral staff, the secretaries, and the front desk at the North End, and then also do better as a church. You know, actually sitting and listening and being able to point them to God instead of just giving them another phone number to call, just we felt like we could do better as a church. So that was the, I guess, the motivation to develop the care team. So just to be clear, we're not talking about someone from inside our church family that might have some sort of a financial need. We have other processes in place where we can serve such individuals, and I think serve them fairly well. What we're talking about right now are people that are just calling us or literally showing up. You know, your heart goes out to such persons, and I hope we never become cynical about persons who are in such situations. And there's, in any ministry that you're involved in, there's going to be people who are playing the system, but there are also people who have genuine needs, and so that's been the challenge all along, even before we moved one of our campuses or built one of our campuses in the North End, which, if you're listening, that's an area of our town. It's a marvelous area in many ways, but it's also an area of town where there's a higher concentration of many social challenges. And so we knew 
if we were going to build here, and we did it on purpose at the invitation of the mayor and the United Way. So we worked together. They wanted us to come down here, but we knew the number of calls were going to increase, and so we had to figure out some way to serve them. So we decided we're not just going to have money stashed in a cash drawer, and every time somebody comes at the front desk, we just dole out cash. That would be catastrophic <laughs> if we did that. But on the other hand, we didn't want to just be people who, even if we didn't have a relationship with another person, just said no, 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 no. Right. Or just said, here, call somebody else. So they were told to call us, and now we're telling them to call someone else. And you just think about a person who's in their home struggling and just becoming so frustrated because no one really wants to help. So right. that's what we were trying to do was right. to establish some sort of a balance between just giving out money, even if we had it, in a way that could actually be harmful. But on the other hand, just be people who said, no, 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 we don't know you, so go away or call somebody else. Right, right. So can you tell us, what, what would a typical care team appointment look like? Right, so they come in, and fortunately we have a lovely database that we can enter their data so we create a profile for them, and that means that if they come in and talk to another care team member another time, there's always that background that we can keep going, and we also can add case notes. So we're not just, we always know what the right hand and the left hand are doing, et cetera, and we can keep track of how we have served them if it's been monetarily, so we can kind of keep track. So then we just have a conversation about what brings them in, what do they, or what they are asking us to do. And then we just talk about, like, what is a better long-term solution for them. And, of course, some people are not open to that. They just want their clothes, and they want to come in and get out of there, and that's fine, too. But a lot of people are really hurting, as you mentioned. And so it's a time just to sit down and just really hear their story and help to understand what's going on in their life, what brought them there. So sometimes the best thing is to not help them. You know, a lot of times we have people who are getting ready to be evicted. There's no future there's no plan to pay the next month and so we're just kicking the can down the road we just need to pull the band-aid off and then start services for them as a homeless person instead of trying to keep them in the apartment for one more month mm. and so that's been kind of our philosophy is like if we can look at the big picture and try to get to them a better place permanently instead of just dealing with that fire or that crisis that's happening right then and there for some people it is just completely transactional like I said, if it's just clothes, that's not a big deal. We just give them the clothes. If they want a food kit, we give them a food kit. But some people have some significant life problems. Often there's substance abuse. Sometimes there's abuse in the family. So how can we get them to a place that's more stable? And we don't do it all. There's wonderful agencies in our community. And so that's our job, too, is to try to get them connected to people who are already doing that work and work that we don't do. But if you know, counseling that would be helpful for them. We bring out a laptop and have them try to sign up for counseling right then and there. Hmm. What I love being here in the North End is that there's three pastors on staff. I can take them right after we're done over to a pastor. You know, we've invited them to church. So we just spend time with them and try to really engage with them as a human and try to find out where they need to go. And often we'll pray with them. They're crying. They're upset. But we always try to give them hope because that's part of what being a gospel-centered ministry is all about. You mentioned the fact that once we're able to enter that into a database, then we have a record of how we may have been able to serve or what kind of conversation we might have had before. That's a very important piece of this, isn't it? Yes, it's very helpful, right? Because, you know, we do have people that come back frequently and, you know, 
couple other care team members have seen them. So we can also start seeing a history or we can just follow up, you know, this was the problem last time. Did you get this resolved? So it's been very, very helpful for us. Otherwise, it would be very hard for anybody to be able to remember all of these persons and all of these stories. And so part of what you're doing is just bringing a level of organization even to the way that we care so it's more comprehensive. So one of our volunteers can open up a computer and look at here's what's happened in the past in our relationship right and then then sometimes it you know starts sending off alarm bells you know this mom with single kid she's single mom several kids has been multiple times we need to try to get her into a program that's going to provide some long-term case management for her because she's just really struggling so that really you know brings up that red flag for us i would think that would also just be a help to the person seeking services to know Hey, they've got the backstory here. So everything that I say, it has to fit together properly. It has to be truthful and all that sort of thing. Or it's going to be right there in the notes that's going to show that what I'm asking for or saying just isn't in sync and therefore disqualifies me from being seriously considered for help today. I'm not sure they think through that that carefully, but it does help us. <laughs> it yeah. does help us, definitely. So you mentioned there are times when we would provide clothing. Do we do that ourselves, or do we refer them to someone else? We actually have a wonderful partnership with another group that offers some, actually, neuthetic biblical counseling about addictions, and they have an outlet store that they do for fundraising for their resident program. So we have a donation center out at Faith East, so we encourage the church family to bring in our clothing, but then Trinity Life Ministry is the ministry that we partner with. They will then take all that clothes and then other donation of clothes they have, and they have a store, and people can come in and buy things, but then they have a program that we have a voucher program with them that we issue a voucher for so many outfits or shoes or a coat or whatever the person's needing, and they can take that voucher to Trinity's outlet store. I think it's called Lost and Found. And they can then redeem that voucher for clothes at no cost to our guest. So it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And then we also partner as a furniture voucher program. There's cost involved in that. So we usually will split the cost that the furniture cost with our guest. Faith will pick up half of the tab and ask the guest to pick up another part of it. And they can then get furniture at a very reasonable rate. So it's a wonderful program. But what you said is something that you have emphasized from the very beginning of our time here in the North End is we don't want to duplicate services. And so, you know, somebody jumped into one of our staff meetings and said, hey, I have a great new idea. We want to start a thrift store offering clothes to people in the community. I'm assuming that if you were in that meeting, you would say, no, that's not a good idea because we don't want to compete with another organization in town that is already doing that work well. Let's find ways to collaborate with them. Is that true? Right. We always want to strengthen their hands. There's nothing more discouraging to a nonprofit or an agency or another church that's been faithfully serving forever. And then, you know, the big guy comes in or the new person comes in and wants to redo something that they're already doing. The best thing to do is to partner with them and see how you can work together to make the ministry better. And there's plenty of work to be done. So then you can look for gaps or things that are not in the community and try to bring those things online. And that even goes back to how we did the North End Community Center. Why do we have a building that is owned by faith, but that there's multiple secular nonprofits doing work inside a building that we own? It's because we didn't want to duplicate or compete with what they were already doing. And we even thought, in addition to being discouraging to them, 
it would have been confusing to people seeking help of where do you go. So we're trying to develop a system where everybody answers that question the same, and the answer at the end is a strong partner because we've not undermined them in some way. Right, right. So back to the issue of the care team, you mentioned that there are times when we might provide help for someone seeking furniture. What's the thought process behind here's someone that I think we should help, here's someone that I think we shouldn't. How is that determination made? Well, so we really shine when we can work with case managers. That So people are working with these families already and say, okay, there's a gap that we have that we cannot meet for our client. And so that's where we really, really shine. And we will step up immediately and say, sure, we can provide the bed. So it's the problems where we have just people that have no attachments, no plan, and they come in and they want some furniture and so that's really the wisdom of the care team member and they have a lot of discretion we pray a lot and we also follow your example and your teaching that you know we try to err on the side of being generous but that's where the case notes are helpful so if a person comes in and is asking for a bed and we notice two years ago we also helped him with a bed Mm -hmm. then we're less likely to say yes because it's not been a good steward of what we've already provided for them but then it's also the conversation of what happened to that bed And so sometimes, you know, another part of the story comes forward and you find out, you know, their sick mother destroyed the bed and so they had to get rid of it. And so then you can, you know, show some more grace and compassion. So I'm sure we fall for a lot of stories, but we try to be careful, but we also try to err on the side of showing grace when we can. So you mentioned the phrase case manager. Are you talking about someone who's on staff at Faith, or are you talking about someone who might be a case manager from another organization that we're trying to collaborate with? Right. So we don't provide case management per se. I'll touch on that again in a minute. But so, yeah, I would be so Salvation Army. We would have Bauer, which is another community partner. Many, many other agencies have what's called case management. So they will work with somebody long term because they have so many significant needs and they will walk that person through trying to develop a plan for their life and keep them stable. And then when they can't meet all of those needs and they will reach out to us, yes. So we work really hard with case managers, with the homeless shelter in particular. We try to partner with them with our own family promise here on campus, not faith, but it's the emergency family shelter. We work really hard because they're one of our partner agencies. If they ask for help, we're there in a minute to try to help them meet the needs of people they're working with. But there are a a huge gap of people that don't qualify for case management. Mostly it's, you know, 40-year-old people without children in the home. And so some of our care team members, and it's based on their appetite, we don't require it, kind of step into that case management role for people and do it informally and kind of try to put all those pieces together. And we had one of our couples, one of our lovely volunteers, Gary and Diane Shiverdecker, they actually took on this role of case management for this elderly gentleman who was ready to get evicted. He ended up coming to know the Lord through them, Mm. and they were able to relocate him to Chicago to be with his family, so he's much, much more stable place now. So, yeah, we can do some case management, but it's rather informal. But I think you've hit on an important point, that instead of believing we have to have a case manager from faith for every person we're seeing, If somebody already has a case manager from another organization, even if it's a secular organization, we're going to try to follow that person's lead as opposed to duplicating their efforts as well. Am I understanding you correctly? Absolutely, because that can only cause confusion. Because they're trying, you know, they have goals, they're trying to work with a person, and we never want to undermine what they're trying to achieve with that person. I would think that would strengthen our relationship with those other organizations if we're respecting the role that they've already played. 
I hope so. Yeah, I think we have some really good relationships with some of the case managers and agencies. The problem is there's just a huge turnover, and so we're just right. constantly trying to build relationships. But that's okay. Are you saying turnover in the number of the personnel, the case managers? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a high burnout field. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of work, a lot of emotional distress, and so they often don't last long. But we will work with them when they're there. Is it true that we would want to have the kind of relationship with other secular organizations that if their case managers came across somebody that they thought would be a good fit for the kind of faith-based resources we're providing, that they would naturally refer that person to us? Yeah, but I think we're at the level they'll refer us anyway. You know, it's not necessarily that it's faith-based and because they just know there are certain things they can get from us. You know, we always do the clothes, we can do the furniture, mm-hmm. but especially if someone is interested in faith, they as in faith as a spiritual thing, not necessarily church, they will refer them, but then that's our job to kind of pull those resources in because caseworkers are desperate for help. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not necessarily that selective where they send people. Hmm. So can you give us an idea of just the volume? How many appointments would a place like us have in a given month? So we go anywhere from probably 150 to 160 scheduled appointments. No, not everyone shows up. So I think we probably are about 100 that we see every month. And some of them are repeat uh, guests, but that's fine. So they're not necessarily unique guests, but we definitely average at least 100 appointments a month. That's pretty amazing for a town our size to have that many opportunities every month to have a conversation. So it's not an impersonal okay, here's your thing, here's some money, and we're done. It's a conversation, but to have that many in a given month, that's a pretty significant number. Yes, it is, and it's a great opportunity, you know, to point them to things of, that faith can provide for them spiritually. So. And am I right that most of the people who serve on the care team are serving as volunteers? Yes, we all are, yeah. So how many different people are on the care team? So we have seven of us. We always need more. So one of the people that's been very key to helping us establish this is Adam Murphy, and he works for the city, and he does homeless outreach and some other Mm -hmm. things. So he's been very instrumental in helping us understand other agencies and how they work. So his work actually gives him paid time to come serve because he kind of sees some of his homeless people. So it's Mm -hmm. been a real blessing to have him as part of the team, but it's still considered volunteer. And that's another opportunity for us to collaborate with not just secular service agencies, but also the city of Lafayette. Right. Just to try to be a blessing to them. And in this case, them being a blessing back to us when one of their employees is able to serve in this particular way. Absolutely. So can you tell us about some of the blessings and some of the challenges that go along with the ministry? I mentioned one, you know, the Shiver Deckers were able to lead a gentleman to the Lord. So it's just an honor to be able to tell people about Jesus, you know? I mean, I've worked in other agencies and volunteer groups, and you have to be very careful about how you approach it. But, you know, you're just open. Of course, it's going to be if the person's open to it and interested, but you don't have to be shy about telling, you know, why you do what you do, who you love, why you do it, that they should come to church. You never want to take that for granted, that you can actually share that so openly. And so those have been the exciting things. And, you know, praying with people, yep. you know, you just, you, and then it's a complete stranger. And if they're a believer, you know, you just know it right away because they just really want to cry out to God. So yep. that's been encouraging. It's also exciting to see all of the hard work that other agencies do. It's easy to get jaded mm-hmm. about yep. government money or whatever. And right. there are really good people who really care about people in our community. And that's always encouraging to see, too. So those are the highlights. The hard part is just 
people making wrecks of their lives. Yep. You know, it's just hard because you just want to say, if you just did it this way, it'd be so much easier. And there are some really hard stories. We live in a sin-cursed world, so some people are sinning, some people are sinned against. Often it's both going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have vulnerable children in the mix of that. Right. So that's hard. But you always come back that you know people can change because mm-hmm. Jesus can help them change. So mm-hmm. that's where you have to keep approaching that you know, maybe you're not going to see it, but you're going to keep offering them the hope and the ability to change if they take it. Hmm. What are some resources that have been helpful to you as you've tried to navigate this journey? Yeah, so I've referred to it before, and most people that are interested in this at all have heard When Helping Hurts by Fickert and Corbett, but they have written a sub-book called Helping and Church Benevolence Without Hurting. Hmm. It's very focused on then how you could develop this kind of help in your own church, and I found that really, really helpful. We were doing a lot of it already, but it just kind of fine-tuned some of the things that we were trying, and so that little booklet is very helpful. Hmm. Well, Lori, thank you very much for all of the work that you and the team have done. I love it because I do think it's helped us hit the sweet spot of we're not just doling out resources in a way that could actually contribute to harmful dependence and maybe even be harmful to the personal relationship. I'm glad we're not doing that. I'm glad we're not just saying no or just go somewhere else. So I'm really glad for care teams. And I think they live up even to that name. They're showing the compassion of Christ. It amazes me that we have that number of appointments every month. So praise the Lord for that. For everybody listening, you know, our prayers go out to you too as you try to navigate these waters. I hope we won't say, well, because it's challenging, let's just not do it. There's blessing, there's joy, there's opportunity here, and the Holy Spirit can guide us as we try to get this right. Lori, thanks a lot for your time today. Thank you. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org slash conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.